There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Straight from the 734, it's the Eastern Insider Podcast. Your chance to get in on the action. I can guarantee you it's one area of the building I won't be using because we all know how little time I'm spending in any weight room. A lot of crazy scenarios that can happen and need to happen for the defending MAC tournament champions. Uh, the assist numbers spoke for themselves. Looking forward to the trip down to Akron. Uh, sure, Akron. Now, let's send it to the guys on the inside of it all. Greg Steiner and Alex Jewell. Holiday? What's a holiday, Alec? A very important holiday, Greg, because you and I are still working, bringing you the Eastern Insider Podcast. We're thankful to have you listening in, but we're more thankful that we're even able to do the Eastern Insider Podcast because it's Memorial Day and it's a special day to honor those men and women in our armed forces that have paid the ultimate sacrifice so that you and I get to sit around sports all day long, talk sports every Monday with our fan group and I always want to make this distinction. I'm sorry to be the person to do it, but there is an absolute difference between Veterans Day and Memorial Day. So I hope that everybody's taking a few minutes today out of their day to remember those that we've lost in service or for those that served our country so admirably. Yeah, we couldn't have said it any better. It is not just a joyous occasion for some. They are remembering those that aren't there with them today as they sit around on this Monday. Uh, Alex, the show still goes on as we have two episodes left in our campaign before we take a little summer break. Uh, unfortunately, it was the EMU baseball team that saw its season end with a three-game lo- losing streak after they took the series opener against Kent State. The Golden Flashes march back and find ways to eke out victories over Eastern Michigan to close out the year. Yeah, they did, and it was a good series. A lot of things for EMU baseball this year, Greg, that really show positive signs moving forward. I think it's going to be an exciting group next year as we already look ahead. Already the end of a just a crazy calendar year of events here for EMU Athletics. Think about this. Baseball ended our home events this year. And to think that we've gone through football games, basketball, so many events, swimming championships, whatever you name it, all throughout uh, the year this year in a crazy pandemic situation. Uh, kudos, I think, to all the student athletes for doing what they needed to do to get onto the field of play, no matter what the sport was. Kudos to the coaches and the strength and uh, sports medicine staff, but also kudos to all the support staff that doesn't always get thanked, whether it's our facilities group, uh, some people in our own office, wherever you may uh, lie. uh, It took a full village to make this happen this year, and we can't thank everybody enough for being there to help us get some EMU athletics going. 
so we could bring you coverage every week. Certainly, you are right. The year is not over, though, as EMU will have a couple qualifiers going to Eugene, Oregon, as they punch their ticket. Quintella Johnson will be going, as well as EMU seeing its uh, Tajay Bryant going to Eugene. So we will still have plenty of conversation to talk about on the track side of things, but otherwise, we now start looking ahead to the fall and get you set for that. It will be an interesting summer. We see a lot of things still transitioning, people coming back, workouts, so we'll have full coverage on that. But first, after this quick break, as Alex will have plenty of coverage. That's right, Greg. As we wind down, we wanted to change it up just a little bit. So this week will be the first of a few installments of our best of season three episodes. So listen in on the other side of the break, as Greg mentioned, we'll bring you coverage of past interviews that we've done, a couple that we'll highlight today. So you can listen back and enjoy some of our favorite interviews from this season three. Thanks so much for listening as always. Coming up, you're listening to the Eastern Insider Podcast here. However you get your podcast. Be sure to download the Eastern Michigan Game Day app available in the App Store and Google Play. The EMU Athletics app features live video, real-time social streams, scoreboards, stats, and more. An entire app dedicated to Eastern Athletics. Download the EMU Athletics app today. Stan Heath, the new head basketball coach here at Eastern Michigan. First of all, congratulations, and congratulations on coming home. Well, hey, thanks. I'm I'm so excited. It's good to be back home. It's good to see so many friendly faces and guys I haven't seen in the past and uh, some of the relationships that were built here. And uh, this has been... Uh, you know, one of those uh, programs that had great success. And it's it hasn't been there recently. And I'm so excited to get it back there. That's where it belongs. And I feel like we've got a, a group of people, not just myself. It'll be a staff. It'll be the people who work at Eastern. It'll be Eastern Michigan. It'll be the community. They're all behind, all supporting uh, getting Eastern Michigan basketball back to the top. When this job became available, how quick did your ears perk up and think, listen, here's a chance to go back to Ypsilanti? Well, you know, when you're in the profession, you hear rumblings, you hear, and but you never know until it happens. And then once it happened, um, my phone started ringing quite a bit from some of my teammates, some of the former players that came here, and uh, we talked about it. So my ears did perk up. It's always been uh, really, you know, probably since 2001, it's always been something that's been on my mind. Um, I actually interviewed for the job briefly in 2001, and when I didn't get it, I was a little heartbroken, honestly. And so, you know, it still kind of sat with me like, hey, if that opportunity ever came, it was the right time. And this was the right time. Some of the other times, maybe it wasn't, but this was the right time. So it's just um, things happen for a reason. Timing is everything, and, and this was the right time. I heard a lot of great names during that press conference, George Gervin, Ben Braun, a lot of names came up. It's important to you that the history of Eastern Michigan come back into the fold, isn't it? Big, big. No, it's, I I just think that to to get where you need to get, you need to understand the past. You need to understand the history. And I'm not sure um, the players have really been aware of this university in the basketball program, the greats, the George Gervins, the, um, you know, the Frank Cofields that was here today or Earl Boykins that was here, or Grant Long that I played with as well, too. And you can even go further back 
uh, Earl Higgins that, that played here as well, too. There's so many guys. And so um, McIntosh. So I, I think part of this is, is, you know, bringing awareness to our players of, of the history, but also getting the history back here, too. You know, getting the, getting those former players that, that are around that can get here, make them feel a part of it. You know, as you get, uh, you get older in your age, which I am, uh, your memories, your friendships, your relationships mean a lot to you. And even through this pandemic, those those things like, you know, sometimes we start realizing like the connections that we've had, like you miss that because you don't have it. I want to bring those connections back here. Now let's talk about the present. you got a team to build. Uh, as far as recruiting, bringing in stuff to add to the core, do you feel like you're behind the eight ball or, or how does that work now moving forward as we get into the fall? Yeah, I, I think recruiting is a, is a process and I don't think I'm behind. Um, I'm sure maybe there's some things that, that maybe could have happened sooner that would have helped us, but there's a lot out there, whether there's high school players, whether there's uh, players in the portal right now, the transfer mode, there are players available out there. And so it's a matter of us fin- figuring out who the right guys for us. And I don't have any doubt the we're going to find those guys. Uh, and at the same time, you know, I, I don't want to I don't want to go high risk. And, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, we go after somebody and, and it's not the right fit. Fit is a big deal. So it's really important that we get it right. And if we don't get it right right now, we get it right next year. But it's a building. You know, it's brick by brick. Um, you know, I don't want to all of a sudden put together this roster and all of a sudden uh, it doesn't fit well together. They don't play well together. The chemistry is not right. So it's important for us to get it right. And how hard is that to get that right? Because that seems like that would be a process that you got to kind of test out as you go along. You got a lot of experience, but when you when you jump into a program and you want to jumpstart it, how hard is it to get that chemistry right right out of the gate? Well, you know, you know, it's interesting. My 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 job for the last four years as a G League head coach our roster flips every year. That's just the nature of, of, of what we do. So I become very accustomed to that's what we do. And, and I'm not comparing us mm-hmm. to a Kentucky, but that's what they do. And, you know, pretty much I'll be very comfortable uh, doing that. I think a lot of it is the intel, the information, the background information you get on on people. And, and so part of that is evaluating their talent. Uh figuring out who's around their high school coach, their AAU coach, uh, people that have watched them play, people who know their character. So finding out as much intel, because it's not just how talented it is. It's, okay, does he, does he have work ethic? Mm-hmm. Okay, does he want to go to school? Does he want to graduate? Does he want to uh, do the right things? Is he going to treat people right? Because if all those other things don't you know, fit, no matter how good it is, it's not going to be a great combination for your team. When you pitch Ypsilanti, when you pitch Eastern Michigan, when a player's in the living room with you, what is what is your sales pitch as far as getting someone to come and be an Eastern Michigan Eagle? Well, I think I think the first thing we have to do is we have to keep the guys who are in the state of Michigan home. And we've got to really look at who's here in the state of Michigan, the city of Detroit, Flint, West Park State, whatever it may be. Uh, we've got to figure out the right guys that fit Eastern Michigan because we're in such a great location, you know, 30 minutes from Detroit or, you know, an hour or, or 30 minutes from La- or Flint or, you know, 45 minutes to an hour to Lansing, all those different things. So we have a great radius where there is a population of talented players, and we've got to look at those guys first. And then we can branch out to out-of-state guys or guys that maybe are from here that went to another school but want to come back home. I do think the times we're living in right now, I do feel like kids and families are really connected to closer locations to each other. 
you know, the distance of not being able to see each other. I think that's that's how I feel. So I would imagine as a parent, as a young man, like I don't want to be too far away. At least I think that's a, a good a good number of people will think that way. So I think we've got a great opportunity uh, to attract quality student athletes uh, that can have great success here that lead to winning, uh, lead to success on and off the court. And that's our job, you know, to evaluate, to do our homework. Uh, to sell the university. We've got a great arena. We've got great facilities here. We've got great people who work here. And I really focus on that. Uh, I work at, okay, this is what you have to get yourself where you need to be athletically. This is what we have academically to get you what you need Mm -hmm. academically. But more importantly, here are the people in place because the people make the program, the people around you who can help you and, and guide your path to where you need to get to. My ears perked up. I heard quick strike offense. I also heard we're done with the zone. Fans are going to see a different brand of basketball out there. What are they going to see on the court come this next season? That's going to be the exciting part to to to, uh, to bring a pro style of basketball to to college, and especially at Eastern Michigan. Um, our offense is it's going to be fast paced. We all, we're going to always talk about pace and quick strike is the initial part of it where we get a rebound or make shot. We're looking for something. We're trying to put the defense on their heels. We're trying to score in six seconds or less if we can, um, and that can be lead to um, you know an advanced pass layup. It could be a driving kick. It could be a quick three. Uh, it could be an over the top layup to a big running the floor. All those different things. But then we need to flow into offense, flow into different guys. So mm-hmm. if that's not there, what do we have next? Okay, going to a pick and roll, going to a post up, uh, going to a drive and kick, as I mentioned. So we flow into things free, free willing. And then we end, the, we end our offense in what we call um, uh, like a flash game. So you'll, you'll see that. That'll be a different terminology. But offense will be fun. Um, you know, I like guys that – um, that know how to play the right way. You know, if I have something good, but somebody else else has something better, we're going to go with better. I like guys that that understand. Okay, offense is an equal opportunity. You know, we have we have to play with purpose, and we've got to understand who is who and what they what they're good at. So, if I'm throwing the ball to Stan Heath and he's not a great shooter, but I just have turned down a good shot and I'm a good shooter, that's not smart basketball. So right. we have to play with our with our with our heads. And if I'm Stan Heath and I'm an elite passer, I've got to make sure I use my role to the best of my ability to set up our big guys for layups and dunks and things like that. So we want to play to our strengths. Defensively, we're going to be a pressure-oriented team. Uh, we're going to guard the basketball. We're going to help on defense. We're going to be disruptive. Uh, we're going to have great coverages and uh, great uh, recoveries whenever we get out of position. Uh, our fundamentals will be very strong. Uh, my defenses have always been good. Um, there's no reason why I can't be one of the elite defensive teams in the league right away. And I've always believed if you defense, if your defense is good, you got a chance to win. Defense always finishes with rebounding. You can play great defense, but if you don't get the rebound, you just did all that work for naught. So uh, we'll always be a great rebounding team as well, too. You kind of pumped me up. I do have college basketball eligibility. My football's done, but I do have college eligibility. So I'm kind of getting pumped up a little bit. But when people here say, well, Eastern's talking about winning now, Eastern's talking about being an NCAA tournament team, some people might be like, that sounds all in good, but th- th- there's still a lot of work to be done. Absolutely. Well, I, I think you have to have vision. You have to have goals. And I always say, why not? Right. You know, why not? Why, why can't we try to put together a roster have development time with our team, prepare, and play to win. I mean, that's that's the goal. And, you know, to me, what I've learned over the years is as you're building your team, you're building your roster, 
sometimes things just come together and it just happened to me. It just happened to me in the, in the G League. Like our team was fighting away or get, get into the, uh, the playoffs. We were nine and six. So we were like almost out of the playoffs. Then all of a sudden lightning struck. We started building our defense. It got better. Our three-point shooting went up. Our chemistry went up. The energy level of our players went up. And that's what happens all the time. Teams catch lightning in a bottle. It happened to my Kent State team. We've actually started off with maybe, I don't know, like I want to say four and three or five and two, something like that. We didn't start off great. And all of a sudden, we won a game. We won another game. Then we won 20 game, one games in a row. So I've seen lightning strike. I, I had it with Tom Izzo. Lightning can strike. And that's that's what I'll tell our team. Like, hey, no matter what, we'll never get too high. We'll never get too low. We'll keep working to get better. And that's what it's all about, improving yourself. You talk about playing with a purpose. I like to eat with a purpose. Part of that's being on the road, you know, certain cities, what I'm going to eat. Uh, so that brings me to non-conference schedule. What's your philosophy on that? How do you want to schedule this team before they head into MAC play? Well, I think with, every, with scheduling, it's always about preparing your team for league play because ultimately we have to do well in the league in order to – uh, either win the, the MAC championship or the MAC championship tournament. Um, so we do need to have some challenging games. We need to have some competitive games, teams that we think have some similarities, some teams that maybe are viewed as, you know, power five type teams. So we need to have a couple of those. But we also need to, to understand where our team is and build confidence as we go along. So you, you never know how that plays off. I've, I've seen teams that sometimes you schedule these games and, and you think it's, oh, it's a weak schedule. Um, and then all of a sudden you realize, oh, that team made the NCAA tournament. That team made the NCAA. Right. So sometimes you really don't know who you're scheduling, and especially with the way this transfer portal is. You know, you may look at a team right now of what you think, but they might not might not be the same team later on. Where are you staffing wise as far as assistant coaches are going to be on the bench next to you? Yeah, I haven't. I'm, I'm working on that. That's that's a priority number one for me right now. And um, uh, no final decisions, but I do have a short list of guys, and I think we're closing in on you know what's going to happen. But I do have backup plans as well too. But uh, I do want to have guys that have ties uh, to the Midwest, ties to Michigan. Uh, I want to have guys that that maybe have some experience. Uh, of recruiting at, at a mid to high level so they, they can attract or are comfortable recruiting guys that we feel take us to the top part of the MAC. Uh, the chemistry and the relationship with the staff is important. You know, at the end of the day, we all have to, we can disagree, we can agree, but we all have to leave the door, the office on the same page and work together to help our, st- our student athletes. Final question, your thoughts on full court press, because your wife said you put it on her pretty hard when you guys were in college together, and that's that's how you got her. I have a very strong full court press, but I, I, I've, I've, in the last 30 years, I've only used it once. <laughs> it worked. It worked. She's elated. She's happy. She said uh, you've been over the moon with this. Coach, congratulations on being home at Eastern Michigan. I, I, I can tell you for the fan base, we are pumped about this upcoming season. I'm so excited. I can't wait to talk to our fans and our former uh, athletes and get them back here. I appreciate it, Coach. Stan Heath, head coach of the Eastern Michigan Eagles. Hey, everyone. This is Alex Jewell, the co-host of the Eastern Insider Podcast. And I'm here to tell you that whether you're looking to learn more about our athletic department, get exclusive content from student athletes and coaches, hear unbelievable stories from alumni, or you just want to stay up to date on the latest news from around Eastern Michigan, then there's no better place to do so than the Eastern Insider Podcast. With new episodes every Monday at 5, the Eastern Insider Podcast is your one-stop shop for everything you need to know about EMU. Each week, Greg Steiner and I open the show with breaking news, a look at the week ahead, and fill you in on any information you need to know. From there, we head into interviews with a variety of your favorite coaches, student athletes, 
and alums. Have you missed an episode or two? That's no problem at all because all of our episodes are available on demand at emueagles.com slash podcasts, soundcloud.com, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your digital media. The Eastern Insider, the only show that brings you all things Eastern all the time. You've heard his voice on radio. You've seen his face on TV and more impressively, we are joined by the one, the only Ryan Woolley here on the Eastern Insider Podcast. Ryan, it's so great to see you, hear you, and, and once again, have the chance to spend a little time in your presence. We've spent a lot of time on air together, and it's crazy to think that the amount of changes we've seen together throughout our process working as a team. When you and I started, it was radio. Then we moved into to just random uh, video streams. Now... We just knocked out a nine-camera production for volleyball the other day. How? What's the change been like for you? It's actually it's been great. I mean, this is what I've always wanted to do. I love sports broadcasting. I've uh, thanked you endlessly before just for the opportunities that you've given me and to to work with you. Uh, but you kind of said it. I mean, we started in radio at uh, you know doing stuff with WEMU, and then kind of transitioned into Eagle All Access, which was the subscription-based network where. You know, there's no commercials, there's no filler. It's you and I talking for the duration of a game. And, uh, you know, you're filling halftime and, and, and doing that. Um, and then, you know, you move forward now with these ESPN productions. And like you said, I mean, to, to have the large number of crew that we have, uh, what, 12 to 15, uh, depending on the day. Um, and then, you know, going from, you know, basketball, men's and women's to just doing volleyball. And then you even mix in the high school broadcast that you and I did uh, for Westland John Glenn and Way Memorial. I mean, we, you and I have uh, kind of been up and down the road a lot together and just seeing uh, the progression we both have made, both in our career professionally, and then also getting to know each other behind the scenes uh, with our wives and families has been a lot of fun. It is a good time to hang out with you. When, and you think of your career path when you started as an EMU student. It, it, the goal was, of course, we know from, from previous talks, you wanted to be in the professional world calling wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that's still your passion. You, you went after Vince McMahon to try to get you on the XFL broadcast. Again, I think that's the reason the league's failed twice is because they haven't put you on yet. But uh, from, from a standard of looking at your Eastern Michigan career, how much do you look back and say, wow, Eastern has really propelled me to where I am now? Well, first, let me correct you. The XFL didn't fail a second time. It was only put on hold due to the pandemic. The numbers were high. It was doing extremely well. Uh, yes, they did sell it. And Dwayne Johnson, the rock is now uh, taking over. So we'll see what happens next year when the season resumes. But uh, to your question about, you know, my career, uh, I mean, I owe everything to Eastern Michigan. It was funny because uh, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a professional wrestler, uh, last name, Wooly, uh, Wooly Mammoth was going to be a moniker and uh, wanted to get into it, realized though I didn't have the physique to do it. Didn't want to be on the road 300 days a year. I uh, wanted to have a family. And so I changed it to wrestling announcer and going from a hard enough field in wrestling to wrestling announcer. I just didn't think it was a good idea. So then I changed it to sports casting. And when I was in school, um, there wasn't a lot of classes you could take. So I got involved with, you know, speech. Um, I did drama, did anything I could uh, to, you know, learn broadcasting as a whole. But when it came down to my senior year, it was either between Eastern or Central Michigan. And I didn't know which which school I was going to go to. Um, but money was a, a big factor. Um, and I didn't know with me living in the Westland area, if I would just commute to, uh, to Ypsilanti. But I uh, made the decision to go to Eastern. It was the best decision I ever made. Lived on campus uh, for the first two years and lived off campus campus and apartment for the final two. But when I got there my freshman year, you know, ETV was one of those things that was available to students, but it was kind of like untapped potential. And I immediately gravitated towards it my freshman year. And uh, at the time they had a Eastern Weekly 
show where uh, they were looking for a news anchor and I was interested. And at the time, um, I was Keith Damron was putting it on and he didn't seem too interested in me taking over as a news anchor until he saw a couple of production pieces that I did in our production class. And then uh, freshman year, I started anchoring news with Christy Mosier and uh, moved forward from there, hosted a talk show with Giacomo Accardo and Josh Newkirk, a sports show. And then... Um, John Rice helped me get involved to the, the sports side of things where we came out and first couple basketball games, I actually ran camera. And then uh, I tried color commentating with Giacomo. And then eventually I got play by play as an opportunity. And then as the years kind of morphed on, you and I kind of developed a relationship where I had some ideas and you were 100% supportive of me of putting a desk on the corner of the court for a pre and a post game, you know, with the head coach, which was uh, uh, and players, um, you know, before and after game. So Eastern molded me into the person I am today. I mean, I did radio shows on campus. I was involved in the marching band, the basketball band. And without Eastern, I wouldn't be doing half of the things, if any of the things I've done. I was going to ask you about that because you've told me a few times your stories about not only being an undergrad here, but once you were getting involved on the media side of things, still also being involved in the marching band (laughs) and how that those worlds all kind of collided during home basketball games. Tell us that story because, I mean, there is there is dedication and then there was Ryan Woolley going from marching band to news to marching band and back and forth all through a basketball game. Well, it's funny because when I when I was in marching band, a lot of the people in band were music majors, but there was people like me that were not music majors. We just enjoyed it. I did it in high school. I was a four-year member of the band in high school. Um, but my first three years at Eastern, I did the marching band, but I was a four-year member of the basketball band. I was in the uh, National Band uh, National Band Fraternity Kappa Kappa Psi. And so for basketball season, it was different because we had our, our games. We didn't do every game. So like uh, as a I played saxophone, so like they would give me a schedule. Okay, these are the games you're attending um, as a member of the band. So I would come out, and at the time, I would uh, play in the band, but I would pre-write my script because I was a sports anchor for WEMU uh, for their halftime show. Um, so I would pre-write my scripts, I would play in the band, and then I would hand it to Greg because uh, he was very kind. I, I Honestly, I don't even remember how it came about where you offered to do it for me, but it just became a thing throughout the season. But Greg would take my script and fill in the scores from around the Mac so that I would play until halftime in the band, step down onto media row, do the uh, sports um, report on WEMU with the scores filled in from Greg, and then go back and finish the game and the basketball band. And then if it was a game I wasn't in the band, I would just either be at the at the studio or I would be, you know, in the arena doing doing the halftime reports. But it just, yeah, you said everything kind of collided. And then my senior year, I had an opportunity to do play by play for the student station uh, for football. So I ended up stepping away from the marching band my senior year just so I could actually broadcast the football team for a year. Certainly uh, a lot of hard work goes into that. And one thing I wanted to ask you about, because you alluded to it just a little bit ago, talking about all of the different opportunities that you had on campus that really helped get you to where you wanted to go. And it's no surprise. I mean, we look at people all over that have stayed in the area or gone abroad, you know, whether it's yourself or someone like Dan Leach, who we've talked to on this show, or even Greg, who stayed here on this path. It There's so many people in the media side of things that have gone through Eastern and become successful doing it. Is it something about just having that opportunity to kind of mold your own experience and and get so hands-on that, that sets Eastern apart from other places? I think so. Uh, and again, like I, there was, there's so much untapped potential at Eastern. And I think a lot of people like myself going in, but they didn't think of Eastern as a broadcasting school. But as you just alluded to, I mean, on the radio side, Dan Leach and Dennis Fithian, who I worked with at 97.1, um, Josh Landon, who's now over at Fox 2. Um, and there's a couple other names that are, I'm forgetting about right now, 
the top of my head, but people have, have gone to Eastern to have a lot of success, whether it be local or, you know, on, on a national stage. And it just, it takes people being willing to get involved and having people like Greg who have your back to do and try certain things. Like I can't speak highly enough about uh, the job that John Rice did for me, you know, coming in and broadcasting the basketball team, or like I said, Keith Damron putting me on Eastern Weekly, Jeff Hamill, who is a professor that was just as hard nosed as it gets. Um, it tells you when you're great, tells you when you're bad. And that's what you need in this business. You know, it, it teaches you how to work on things. John Cooper, I mean, the list just goes on in um, just pointing you in the direction and kind of navigating the path until you can find a job and then just, you know, put your nose to the grindstone as the old cliche is. In, in this world, there are a lot of people in our industry that certainly develop their own catchphrases and, and <laughs> things that you know when you're listening to, to one of their broadcasts. I mean, if it's Will Teeman, you know, it's he got it, he got right. it. Or, or Dan Leach was always splish splash or taking a bath or whatever. When you're broadcasting, we know there are certain things that, that you always utter. I mean, uh, how how do you develop some of those traits and, and come about some of those? Well, I think some of them, uh, they just come naturally. Um, I will say the the one that I always say at the beginning of a broadcast, I always mention the West Campus of Eastern Michigan University as a way to honor John Fountain, who is the longtime play-by-play voice of both uh, EMU football and basketball. I got the opportunity to work with him as a halftime re- a sports reporter for my senior year. And then, um, you know, I took over as the color commentator with Brian Demoroski the, the year that he retired. I actually got to work his final uh, regular season game down in NIU, uh, which was kind of cool. But, um, you know, then as the game goes on, I don't know that I have like any cliche ones. I do, uh, like if there's a big three, I'll say he buries it or she buries it. Um, but I mean, like as for, like you said, the splish splash taking a bath, I, I don't tend to gravitate towards those. I, I think they're cheesy and, you know, to each their own, but I just, it's not something I like to put onto a broadcast. Um, but there's just certain things as the game goes on. It just, it just comes out organically. You, you got to experience some different sports this year and you added uh, basketball has been your, your longtime voice that we've been recognized, but we threw your curveball this year, brought you into the volleyball side of things. You've known basketball forever. How would you, how do you go about learning a new sport as well? I felt like I was cramming for a midterm or a final exam. I'm not going to lie. So uh, you would ask me if I had any interest in calling a volleyball game or a couple volleyball games. And I'm like, absolutely. I'm willing to do anything. And um, so when it came down uh, to the game, it was Eastern versus Toledo was the first game that I was calling in uh, the beginning of March. Um, I literally watched more volleyball uh, in the two week span than I probably have my entire life. Um, ESPN plus was huge uh, where I was able to go and watch different games across the conference. I watched both men's and women's games. I watched Joel Gaudet over at ball state. I watched some of the big 10 games, some sec. I watched the national championship. I saw Stanford play, um, went to YouTube because the, the hard thing for me is I played volleyball, but I knew nothing about volleyball. I didn't know how to bring it to the, the viewer or listener. I didn't know what vernacular to use, what what I should key in on. And so as I started to to study it more and learn about attack percentages, learn about you know the kills and digs and and what you're trying to highlight of said player, um, you know, then I started to get more comfortable. And I, I would say in the first set, it probably took me eight or nine points to really kind of find a rhythm and, and get comfortable. But as the first game went on and then game one turned to game two and then game two turned to game four, which I just recently wrapped up last week, like, I love it. I, I think it's awesome to have another sport underneath my belt, something that, you know, if, if you guys are wanting to have me back next year for volleyball, you know, I'm, I'm all for it. It was, it was a lot of fun. And I, I think the listeners and the fans hopefully got something, 
some uh, some fun out of it. I'll tell you what, everybody listening at home, that's how you know Ryan Woolley is a true professional. Not only does he compliment Greg, he puts himself out there and says, "Hey, I'm I'm back next year if you'll have me." And he also <laughs> throws in a nice little uh, nice little jab, a little recognition for our partner over in ESPN Plus. You know, a nice little uh, Ryan. Are you are you getting a compensation every time you name drop ESPN Plus? <laughs> no, no, not at all. But I, I I think it's great though because you know. As you guys know, things can go wrong in a broadcast. Now, whether the people watching can notice something goes wrong is a different story. So when the control room is on fire and, and, and it's, it's going bad behind the scenes, can we stay calm, cool, and collected on camera, get the broadcast across, and then they don't know, you know any different? And so it's nice to go back and rewatch you know, an open or go back and rewatch half of the game or even the full game to see how you and your partner work together. Because this year alone, I mean, I had a lot of color analysts that I've never worked with before. So you you learn a cadence and you go back and you kind of see it's, it's study material. It's not, oh, hey, look, you know, I'm doing stuff on TV. It's okay, what can I improve on for the next broadcast? Well, for many people, especially in a year where fan attendance was so limited, that platform of ESPN plus ESPN three was so important more than ever, maybe for people to be able to watch their favorite Eastern Michigan teams. And of course you are the voice of that and somebody that is part of that game day experience. One thing I've always enjoyed asking different commentators or PA announcers is, do you think about it like that? Like, has it crossed your mind that not only are you calling a game, but you are really synonymous with hundreds, maybe thousands in certain cases of people's experience with Eastern Michigan athletics. I mean, that's a that's a, a heavy magnitude situation when you think about it like that. It, it really is. I, I don't tend to think of it that way because I view it as I'm just a small part of the game day atmosphere. Um, you know, it's not about me. You know, I don't think anybody's tuning in. Hey, Ryan Woolley's on the call. Like they're tuning in to watch, you know, you know Eastern and Central or, you know, Eastern and Ball State. Um, on the hardwood or the volleyball court or whatever. But to know that I can be a part of that and hopefully tell the story within the story. Because, you know, as you guys know, there's the game and then there's what happens heading into the game, what, you know, you're trying to get people caught up and maybe don't know what they did on the road trip. And so that part I love. It's it's the storytelling. It's, you know, being just a small part of the game day atmosphere. And yeah, this year was completely different than any other year where, there were not fans, you know, for the majority of these games and the fans that did make it towards the end. I mean, it was very few and far between. So whether it be a parent watching in Omaha or down in Ohio or, or wherever they may be, this is an opportunity for them to see their kid play and you want to put on the best product. And, you know, you treat every game as if it's a big game. It doesn't matter who they're playing and, and you just move forward. So I'm, I'm very appreciative of the opportunity to to do what I do. You you speak uh, a little bit earlier about uh, working with different analysts and, and going through that. You and I have put in a lot of games together, but this year you work with uh, with a bunch of different people. Matt Derry, I know you've had a long relationship with, but never shared a microphone. Uh, switching back over from the radio side, bring in Steve Hawkins, a guy that you and I have had the luxury of calling for many years, uh, and then you you bring along new people that have never called a game before like Lauren Withrow or Danny Rogers or, or, or Christy King. How is it working with, with those people and really knowing that now you're kind of the, the captain of the ship to help bring them along? I love it. Honestly, um, you know, it, it, it does present a challenge when you don't know how somebody works or what their cadence may be. And, and you kind of, you know, talk about that heading in where, you know, you want to make sure you don't step on their, their toes when they're finishing up their speech and, and vice versa. But 
the the teaching aspect of it like i'm i'm not the end all be all to anything and i don't pretend to be but when it comes down to the amount of games that we have done there's certain things that you have seen and done and i i try to bestow that upon them because whether they they work you know the full season with me a game with me and then they go work you know with somebody else hopefully they can see how i prepare how i do things and then they can take that and then mold it to themselves because everybody's going to be different everyone's going to have a different way of heading into a game and you know, the best example I'll use is the charts that you and I, you know, kind of float back, back and forth with. Uh, those were created by Brian Amorowski, you know, back in, I, I don't know, probably 2006, 2005. And uh, to this day, I still use them because I feel more comfortable with the layout of them, uh, updating them as the game goes on, um, and then updating as for a series. So to have all the different color analysts, I just, I hope that they've enjoyed working with me as, as much as I learned work, uh, enjoyed working with them because I learned something from them every time we work as well. I definitely want to get into some of your off the quarter, out of the broadcast interests because you are certainly one of the most interesting men on earth. But before we transition to, to some of the DJing and the arcade that for those of us, we're doing this on a Zoom call right now and we can see it behind Ryan. Of course, you can't see it listening at home, but I can attest it's amazing. But before we get to there, Ryan, you know, it's hard to put so many years of memories and moments into one, you know, best or something like that. So I'm, I'm, I'm not going to ask you to do that, but is there a moment or a year or a, a player even that when you think back is just top of the mind of like, wow, it was, it was amazing to be able to call that or, or experience somebody like that. Oh, wow. Um, well, I mean, on the, on the girls' side of things, the women's basketball, I mean, Shea Sweeney was so fun to watch, um, you know, just the way she could move up and down the court. Ryan Coleman was another one. I mean, she ran like a gazelle. I mean, it was like she just like floated on on, on air out there. Um, but like, you know, the, one, of the, one of the names that's always stuck with me was Carlos Medlock for the men um, back in the day. Um but I mean, as as for a moment, I mean, of course, uh, when the women won the MAC tournament title, I mean, both as a student, uh, you know, being down there with the basketball band, and then also uh, being a part of the radio broadcast that the last the last time they won it, that was that was pretty special because you don't get very many opportunities to see a team cut down the nets um, or you know have you know those those special um, opportunities. Ray Lee dropping the fifty plus, um, you know, in, in I think it was against Central, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I wasn't on the call for that one, but just to see that um, and then have the following game, um, that, that was very special. But then like throughout any game and not one in particular, when it becomes a three-point shootout, you know, those are just, you know, you get seven threes in a row, you know, between both teams. Those, those are a lot of fun because you just don't know what's going to happen next. And every time it goes up, you're expecting it to go in. And then it's like, okay, is anyone going to miss? Alongside Ryan Woolley, uh, Greg Center, Alex Jewell with you. And you pivot a little bit this year. 2020 into 21 has been a challenging year for everybody. But for you, I, I tip my cap for, for everything that you've had to go through. For those that aren't aware, Ryan and his beautiful bride, Michelle, welcomed a newest addition to their family. And Lexi was born earlier this year, a proud dad of three. But more importantly, uh, unfortunately, you you lose your regular day to day job at, at a radio station that you'd had for a long time. Your wife has to to navigate working in the the healthcare industry along with having a baby in a pandemic. How has has the year one changed you, and also maybe been special because you've had a lot of, of really good memories, even with the bad. Uh, I'll be lying if I said it's not been hard. Um, you know, I have 
certain days where it's just, you know, I can't believe what happened, uh, you know, as you just said. So I worked uh, in sports radio at 97 on the ticket and WWJ News Radio 950 for 13 years. And uh, I'm not going to lie, this week's kind of a hard week to think about because Friday is going to be the year anniversary I was let go. Um, so I keep threading the, the one year anniversary mark, which I can't believe it's been a year. But, um, you know, I got the phone call or a text message that morning that they asked me to get onto a conference call. And so I got on and I got the terrible news that they were, you know, cutting positions. And I was one of 25 locally, 2,500 nationally that uh, lost, you know, their, their position because the sports world was shut down. And I had hoped that when sports returned, maybe they would bring me back. Obviously, that's not been the case as of now. Um, so that part's been rough because, again, you put so much time and energy into a career path and to lose it, you know, for no fault of your own. I mean, it hurt. Do you think it'd be easier if it wasn't your fault? Um, certainly has not been the case. And, you know, like I said, some days are harder than others. Um, and to make things worse, as you've alluded to my wife, uh, so we were expecting. And uh, so she the baby was not viable if she was to go into preterm labor because their talk during the coronavirus this time last year was if a, a pregnant woman correct uh, contacted the virus, she'd go into preterm labor. So she ended up taking a month leave in April just to make sure the baby was viable if she was to contact it. And uh, it was four days later is when I lost my job. So she took the leave on a Sunday and then I lost my job on a Thursday. And uh, so it was terrible timing. Um, the, the benefit of it is it allows me to be home with the kids um, we don't need daycare. We didn't need uh, at the time our kids, you know, we're in virtual school, like most other kids who start the school year. Um, so you went from, you know, being sports radio broadcaster to, you know, super dad at home and, um, you know, doing their schoolwork and, you know, making sure they're on and taking care of the baby. But then when the, the, the basketball season started up, it was kind of like a, a dose of somewhat of getting back to normal, even though the you're broadcasting into an empty arena getting back and, and getting back into what you know and love, you know, kind of ease the pain a little bit. And of course now that the season's over, it's like, okay, well now, now what do I do? But uh, no, it's, it's been a rough year, but uh, of, of everything that's happened, the best thing has been the birth of our daughter. She's just been a joy of her life and uh, really the, the light and what's been a, a terrible time. And as certainly as we continue on with Ryan Woolley, it's important also, I know Greg and both Ryan both mentioned his wife, Michelle, who is a nurse and has done uh, amazing things since the onset of the pandemic. And it's such a uh, thankless job. And, and thankfully, many people in the last year have noticed how much uh, people in the healthcare field do. But we certainly, we thank her if she's listening in to uh, for all of the sacrifices that the healthcare workers were made. I know Ryan and I share that bond. My girlfriend, Becca, is a nurse. So that's uh, certainly something that uh, is important. And we, and we just thank her so much. And, you know, we talked about with, with some time, there's other things though that good have come out of it in terms of being back on broadcasts. And I said it a little bit earlier, so I have to ask this arcade kick you're on <laughs> is unbelievable. It started out with one machine that I know that you posted on Twitter and a lot of people probably saw the uh, Mario Kart contraption, but now you've got a full scale. I mean, I know you did a full basement renovation, which you also posted pictures of, which is fantastic. And now you're into, uh, I mean, I, You've got to have what more than ten back there. Uh, yeah, yeah. eleven. Games? Yep, yep, eleven. Uh, hopefully, we'll have twelve. I'm I'm hoping to get NFL Blitz or make an NFL Blitz here soon. But uh, yeah, it, truthfully, it started when you know when I was a kid, like everybody else. Whether you're at a bowling alley, um, you know, with your parents, or you're in a bowling league, or you know, going to Pizza Hut, um, or even uh, Weber's Inn, and uh, we used to go there all the time for vacation once a year. Uh, they had Rampage, the arcade game there, and that was one that I grew up loving. 
And then uh, I played a lot of Mortal Kombat, NBA Jam, NFL Blitz in the arcade. And so this company came out called Arcade One Up, and they started making these three-fourths uh, scale arcade games, and Rampage was one of them. That was the first one I bought, and uh, it just it brought back so many memories. And I always said I'd love to have a home arcade, but as you guys know, arcades are huge, they're expensive, but these machines are affordable, and um, so and they're three-fourths scale, so you're not moving around a 700 pound machine that costs you two to three thousand um, dollars you know these are you know three to four hundred dollars uh, depending on the game that you get and so i started with rampage and then it turned into pac-man and then it turned into street fighter and then uh, like i said mortal Kombat, nba jam come out marvels uh you mentioned the, the the mario kart one i made so that was basically i took a nintendo wii u i took an existing arcade cabinet stripped it down uh took everything out basically the guts and put a wii u inside of it um, bought some steering wheels, painted them Mario and Luigi. And, uh, you know, then I got some graphics and wrapped it. And, you know, it, I, like you said, I put it on Twitter and it just, uh, Mike Filoni over at the ticket was uh, kind of blown away by what it looked like and really publicized it. So, and then what you guys don't know is I just customized two arcade stools to go with it. So I have a, a Bowser and a Donkey Kong stool sitting next to it that I actually wrapped myself. I'll, I'll show you guys when the meeting's over. Well, and I think it's uh, fair to say a, a lot of our listeners are in the Metro Detroit area, so they know if Mike Fellini heaps praise on anybody, <laughs> it is something spectacular. So honestly, that's like a resume line item that you can say on air, Mike Fellini gave you credit for something. That's that's unbelievable. Yep. No, and yeah, he loved it. And uh, it, it was funny because Tom Helmer, who we've done a lot of broadcasts with, of course, works for the football team, and he's like, dude, you're making me look bad. You know, what are you doing? So that, that was kind of funny. Is there a game that, that you, you just can't wait? So one of these days they put it in arcade form. I mean, I, I'm a big Legend of Zelda person, but I know, I know that's not exactly a normal arcade. I can play it all I want on my, my old school NES that I got. But is there a game that you, you got circled that it just has to have one of these days? Well, it, it, honestly, it was originally Mortal Kombat. They made Mortal Kombat. It comes with number one, number two, and alternate Mortal Kombat, number three. Um, and then NBA Jam, which has NBA Jam, NBA Jam Tournament Edition, NBA Hangtam on it. Um, but then Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, they made, it's a four player deck. I have that down here in the basement as well. Um, so, I mean, I'm kind of checking off the bucket list of all these machines. I, really NFL blitz is the next big one. And the rumor is they're not going to be able to make it. The NFL is not going to sign off on it being reproduced because of a concussion protocol and trying to, you know, smarten the game up a little bit, but I have a modded machine and, uh, you know, I, I sent you, um, uh, a video after I did my first volleyball game and said, you know, this may not help me on the broadcast, but I'm having a lot of fun learning the game playing. It was from 1987. It was volleyball on the Nintendo entertainment system. And I'm down here playing one night, just playing volleyball, you know, and, and seeing how the players are moving and serving and killing. And uh, so that's been fun, but I'm excited to have you guys over, um, you know, whether we have a staff night over here, once the coronavirus pandemic can, can go away, but get everybody over here and playing some video games. Yeah, that, I can't wait for that to test it out. We know that you probably have a leg up on me, but Alex, I, I can guess he probably spent plenty of time at Showbiz Pizza popping in those quarters at Chuck E. Cheese, getting the, the – I, I, now, if they, we come out with a skee-ball, I'm sure I could beat you in that. See, my wife is a huge skee-ball fan, and that was one of the things I wanted to buy for the basement was a skee-ball machine. Now, uh, my arcade grew from the time I started building the basement from 3 to the 11 that I have. Eventually, it will be 12 when I can get the Blitz cabinet. Um, but I also want to make a racing simulation game where you can actually sit down and you know do Daytona USA or Crazy Taxi or something like that. But I've seen these skee-ball machines you can buy, but as you know, they're, they're long. 
and mm-hmm. I have a, a big basement, but I'm just like, well, do I get rid of the air hockey table to put a, uh, the ski ball in? Do I keep air hockey? So I'm, I'm kind of looking around to see where I can move some things. And having kids, I'm sure it's still uh, ski balls become projectiles pretty fast. Yep. No, that, that does worry me with the TV down here um, because they come down here and play. And the one, the one rule is you can play down here, but when you're done, you, know, you pick up your stuff and have it, have it picked up by the end of the night. All right. Wait, one last question before we get you out of here. Which will happen first, a Lions playoff victory or an EMU NCAA tournament appearance? Ooh. Men, would that be men or women? Uh, either one. <sighs> See, I don't think the Lions are any closer now, even with their new head coach and GM. I know Eastern's men just had a, a down year and, and, and the coaching search is underway. Uh, and you know, the women, who knows what would happen last year when, when the pandemic struck uh, and the tournament was canceled. I know they got knocked out this year. So I'm, I'm I know it's going to sound homerish, but I'm going to say it's going to be a tournament appearance by one of one of our uh, Eastern teams. I, I fully agree. I think 21, uh, 22 is primed to be a year for the green and white. And I, I can't wait for you to be back in front of that microphone with fans behind us. Your parents always in, <laughs> in full force as well and not in virtual form. But Ryan, I can't thank you again for the friendship and, and everything that you do for our ESPN program to make all of us better and, and to carry on the, the banner for the green and white as an alum. So Greg, I, I appreciate it. You know, the opportunity is is uh, not lost on me. So again, I, I thank you and Alex. It's been a pleasure to get to know you over the last couple of years and work with you this year. So looking forward to seeing you guys for some volleyball and some basketball and some football. That's Ryan Woolley on the Eastern Insider podcast. We're going to take a quick timeout on the other side of this. We're going to finish up athletic training month with an interview with Stephen Burning, the head football athletic trainer at Eastern Michigan. Ryan, again, thank you. And we'll hope to see you soon. We'll take a quick break and be right back. That's it for this edition of the Eastern Insider podcast. Thanks for listening. For Greg Steiner, I'm Alex Jewell reminding you to visit emueagles.com slash podcasts or go to SoundCloud iTunes, or wherever you get your digital media to stay connected with us every Monday. As always, follow us on social media for the most up-to-date information on EMU Athletics.